I'm Philippa Tolley and you're listening to Insight from RNZ. This program explores alternatives to milking cows. New Zealand has been the world-leading dairy producer for goat milk-based infant formula since it was developed in the early 1990s. With an apparent worldwide surplus of cow milk and low sheep meat prices, more farmers are looking to goats and sheep as a milking alternative. The traditional dairy sector is huge, with nearly 6.5 million cows being milked in an industry worth over $13 billion last year. But some academics are excited about the possibilities presented by milking sheep and goats. Farmers have been trying to make money off milking animals other than cows since the 1970s, and one exporter in his first season of milking sheep says the industry is looking up. It's just all positive in the sense that it's choice for consumers. So if New Zealand wants to really take full advantage of its opportunity to create high-value products into different markets, different countries and different markets within those countries, then diversification is absolutely essential. But academics are cautious and want the proper research done before people jump in. I think there's big potential for it, as long as we can get the marketing right and the outlets right and not end up with an industry that's cutting throat in terms of price cutting, as has been historically the case with some industries in New Zealand. That's one of the biggest issues facing it. How should the industry be organised? In the 40 years since the industry established itself, the number of dairy sheep has climbed to about 35,000, while 50,000 goats are now being milked. I'm Alexa Cook and in this insight I'll be delving into the dairy goat and sheep industries and exploring where the interest is coming from and why, where the challenges lie and what the future might look like. Dairy goat farmer Jamie Hills is in the second year of milking goats on his own farm. Their personality, that's just awesome. No day is the same. Every day something different happens, sometimes good, sometimes bad. They are like two-year-olds. Very naughty. You can see on my loader, they, when they get out, they chew it. Jamie and his father James are milking 400 does on the outskirts of Hamilton. The goats will come in, be cupped, take about five to eight minutes per doe to get milk out and to swing over. So as soon as they're done, um, they'll leave. It's a rapid exit. It takes a few seconds and uh, the next row will be cupped as you take off the cups of, of the first row that you cup. It's just like a normal um, dairy cow set up. Um, except it's green. Yeah, this, this load that we use, we put this wheel on and so, um, use it to push up the grass. Awesome. Best thing I ever bought is this loader. Goats and sheep produce less milk than cows, but the payout for their milk solids is about $17 a kilogram, as opposed to Fonterra's forecast payout of about $4.15 a kilogram. Goat milking uses a different farming system to sheep and cows, with most people housing the animals indoors to reduce parasites, pneumonia and other health issues. Land is then used to grow crops, which are cut into a silage wagon and fed to the goats. Yeah, the reason why you go into goats, is, apart from loving animals, obviously, is um, because you're indoors, you've got a lot of control management-wise. I almost want to say your destiny is in your own hands, how good you're going to do, because the goats are not so exposed to the weather, so they're not so up and down, and you can plan, you can budget very well. Is it a bit harder than what you originally thought in terms of the health of them, or is it pretty straightforward? It is a bit harder in the sense that all the medicine that you use on them, they don't react on it. The metabolism is 
higher than normal, or like for cattle. So if you get mastitis of a cattle, you jab her this and that, she comes right. The goats, they don't. They seldom come right. And if they're sick, they seldom come right anyway. So you normally end up having to treat them and treat them and treat them and then cull them anyway because they just never get back into production. Out here on the western side of Lake Taupo is Maui Milk, a joint venture between Waitui Kurato Trust and the Shanghai Maui Food Company. The farm has only been milking sheep since last August and at its peak is milking over 3,000 ewes. I'm in the milking shed where the ewes are milked on a rotating platform. 80 sheep can be milked at any one time and the cups are on for about two and a half minutes maximum to milk them out. There's eight staffs involved in the milking, which takes about three hours all up. But the manager says although the number of sheep they get through is really good, they want to be more efficient and use less staff. He says his next shed will be a different design. Well, this is lucerne, and we particularly like uh, lucerne because it holds on really well after Christmas. When it gets dry, it does really well, and it's a very high-energy feed, and the sheep love it. So, yeah, this is ideal. We'd, uh, we'd like more of it, and we're in the process of, uh, of establishing more of it. Maui Milk exports individual 25-gram sachets of pure sheep milk powder to China, where their Shanghai business partner sells it to selected supermarkets. Research is still being done on the exact nutritional properties of sheep and goat milk, and although it is often marketed as lower in lactose, farmers and academics are quick to correct that. They say it is the protein that is different and more easily digested, as it has much smaller fat globules than cow's milk. Maui Milk's general manager, Peter Gatley, says people choose to buy the high-quality sachets, which sell for about nine New Zealand dollars, for a range of reasons, and a main draw card is digestibility. Particularly in Asia, there appear to be a lot of people that have trouble digesting cow's milk, so they look for alternatives like goat or sheep's milk. Sheep's milk is different again from goat's milk in that it's very high in components, typically, say, 18% solids. That's fat and protein and lactose, whereas cow's milk or goat's milk might be more like perhaps 11 or 12. Maybe some people like the idea of digesting milk from the sheep. Why wouldn't you, you know? I mean, look at them. They're standing here in the Lucerne with the mountains all around and the lake there. And if you live in a big city in China, you know, you would enjoy thinking about the fact that your daily dairy is supplied from this sort of environment, from these animals. Another benefit attributed to milking goats and sheep is a lower environmental impact and many farmers are keen to promote this aspect as intensive dairying comes under attack for its part in polluting waterways and reducing water quality. This is particularly the case in the porous volcanic soils in the area around Taupo. The Waikato Regional Council introduced limits on nitrogen discharge to protect water quality in the lake. Peter Gatley says sheep suit the area because they excrete less urine and therefore less nitrogen. Maui Milk is expanding and has bought another farm 15 minutes up the road from the Kurato farm. That's a clean slate in terms of, you know, it's a traditional sheep and beef farm and sheep milking offers us an opportunity to increase the productive value of that land um, while still working within the regulatory framework and the nitrogen discharge allowance. If we can prove that we can run dairy sheep there effectively and efficiently within those limits, that's really exciting because these regulatory limitations are being introduced in other parts of the country as well and farmers are looking for increased productivity, stability, you know, diversification in agriculture, but doing it within the regulatory framework and you know, that's challenging with traditional dairy cattle.
Mr Gatley wants to breed sheep that produce more milk and working with a colleague, he has implanted pure East Frisian embryos which were frozen in the 1990s after being imported from Europe and stored for future genetic work. It's like a blank canvas, you know. There'd been no significant concerted effort gone into breeding and improving milking sheep in New Zealand. These sheep are pretty much what was imported from Europe, but they've been crossed with a lot of genes from meat breeds in New Zealand to give them more resilience. The focus initially in the first few years has to be purely and simply on um, productivity. You know, in the past, milking sheep in New Zealand might have only produced 100 litres in lactation, whereas elsewhere, you know, 400 litres might be the norm. What we're interested in doing now is bringing in more improved genes from offshore and then selecting and adapting those to fit our environment in the same way that we did in dairy cattle. A Lincoln University agribusiness professor, Guy Trafford, is positive about the future for dairy sheep, arguing that it is less risky than goats and cows. Mr Trafford says if the milk price fell, like it has with dairy cows, farmers could stop milking, rear the lambs and still make money from the wool and meat. He says it's possible to make about $20 per sheep from wool each year and $50 a lamb, which is better than cows and goats. The sheep also have a, a ready market for their byproduct lambs, where both the cow and the goat industry do struggle to have meaningful markets for a lot of their surplus calves and kids. So to me, the sheep industry is a bit more holistic when you look at the whole picture compared to goat and cow dairy. Sheep milking is fairly new in comparison to the dairy goat industry, which has been exporting infant powder since the early 1990s. The founder and the world leader of goat infant powder is the Dairy Goat Cooperative in Hamilton, which has nearly 40 million litres of goat milk flowing into its factory this year. After a shaky start trying to find a market in the 1980s, it has grown to an almost $180 million company, with 72 shareholder farmers and 45,000 dairy goats. Its chief executive, Tony Giles, says the main market is in Asia, but over the last 30 years they have pushed into other countries and taken on more farmers when they need more milk. We're in an expansion mode and have been for a number of years now. So yes, that's, that's part of our plan and it's on the back of you know, sort of continued market development. And is that because the demand's grown for the product? Uh, the demand is growing in the markets that we are already established in, but again, to make the industry grow or to make our company grow, we need to create further markets, whether it be in Europe or Asia, for our products. And where are these markets based in what areas of the world? Traditionally, we've built up our base off Asian markets, and that will continue as well. We've got a number of significant markets in that region. I don't think it's too much of a secret that the business began out of the Taiwanese market, which is very important to us. But there's other markets in there, such as Korea and Thailand and so on. Um, but we've also got quite a big push into the European market at the moment, and that's where a lot of our focus is going. There's still a lot of the world left after that. And do you think everyone else will catch on to goat infant formula? Yeah, I think it's definitely happening already. As we make a little success in niches of different markets around the world, people are looking at and seeing that the product is doing well. We're getting some competition from other parts of the world. Uh, that's quite natural and to be expected. So people are definitely seeing the benefits and the value of the formula that we produce. There's a wait list of 12 people wanting to set up a dairy goat farm and supply the co-op, but Tony Giles says for now they can get all the supply they need from their existing farms. Mr Giles says they've come this far because they've played their cards right. 
We've actually got to go out and create the demand because in many countries around the world it's a category that doesn't exist already and we were actually the inventor and first to commercialise goat milk based formula so we've had the hard job as well of going out and creating the demand in these markets and that market development continues. It's not the sort of product that people come to you and say you know we need this, you've actually got to go out and influence regulators and healthcare professionals so it's a fairly complex business. But an agribusiness professor at the University of Waikato, Jacqueline Roweth, is not so convinced that the outlook is rosy. She thinks the market might not be as strong as it seems and is worried about oversupply. What I see is some signals that the more established companies are thinking they've got enough milk for a while and that they need to hang fire and consolidate. And what I'm very much hoping is that New Zealand doesn't suffer for the dairy goats and dairy sheep in the same way that they have for dairy cows. So what do you mean by that? The more milk, more milk, more milk, oh, suddenly we don't need any more. And what does that do to the farmers and their whole embracing of the new area? And, and there has been a bit of that in these new industries. So do you have fears that the dairy goat industry could go down the track of what the dairy cow industry has? There seems to be some pause on growth, and that may be about consolidating the supply chain and the consumers at the other end over in Asia or wherever we're going to send. It does mean going on marketing, going on ensuring that really the demand is there. And we also need to know that our consumers over in other countries are able to differentiate different types of milk and indeed the New Zealand origin of that milk. However, more businesses are entering the sector. A new company on the scene, which also sees potential in the industry, is New Zealand Dairy Products, which is one of two separate exporters setting up factories in Hawke's Bay. As Chief Executive Chris Berryman says there is a strong demand for infant formula and whole milk powder. At the moment there is a strong global demand for nutritional goat milk products globally and the current supply really is not uh, keeping up. We've identified about 30 countries where we think we can sell or export the nutritional products to. Some markets like the USA and Japan has probably helped quite a bit by the TPPA, gives us a bit better market access and over time gives us reduced customs duty rates into those markets. The largest market is probably still China. However, we don't want to be reliant on a single market. So our strategy is to go after quite a lot of markets so that we don't have any dependence on that one single market. And so this demand, when you're talking about where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. is that quite reliable? We think so. It's been growing over the years. Uh, So maybe the last 20 years, there's been steady growth in demand, so it's not a cyclical thing that's going to go up and down. I think it's, a, it's just going to continue to grow at a steady rate. Mr Berryman plans to build a $110 million sheep and goat milking operation and processing plant in central Hawke's Bay this year. He aims to have his Shigoa product, which is a blend of sheep and goat milk powder, on the shelves by the end of 2017. The factory will need about 24,000 goats and sheep and will run 20 hours a day to produce two tonnes of powder an hour. Chris Berryman expects competition in specialised powders to pick up speed. And actually, our main competition is the Dairy Goat Co-op from Hamilton. They've done a great job in developing the market over the last 20 odd years. There's also competition coming out of the Netherlands, and pretty much that's about it in nutritional powders. But they're quite aggressive. They're gaining quite a bit of market share. So there's not a lot of competition at the moment, but we think that will change quite rapidly as goat and sheep take a bigger share of the category. The second company planning a factory in Hawke's Bay is Fresco Nutrition. They've been selling goat infant formula in New Zealand for five years and started exporting it a year ago to Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore and China. 
They have five farmers in the Manawatu and Hawke's Bay, and their milk is turned into powder in the Waikato. Fresco Nutrition's Chief Executive Greg Witcherly expects the demand for goat milk infant, toddler and adult powders to increase, but he says it's restricted by a lack of processing ability. Getting supply of goat milk is not difficult. There's any number of farmers that would love to convert and to rear goats and milk goats and sell goat milk. The problem is, what do you do with the milk? Where do you dry it? So unless you've gone and spent 20 or $30 million on a spray dryer, how do you actually process that goat milk? There can't be any real growth in it until there are spray dryers there ready to process the milk. The New Zealand Dairy Goat Co-op, they've just built a larger spray dryer. They're probably set for a few years. And what happens with other companies that have the product and need it dried? Currently, Waikato Innovation is doing some drying, but their spray dryer is small and uh, the access is limited. So basically, for any growth to happen, there needs to be more spray dryers built. Dairy farmers who don't need their milk turned into powder aren't limited by the need for a dryer. And Guy Trafford from Lincoln University is one of those. He's not just teaching agribusiness, he's putting it into practice and milking a couple of hundred sheep in Canterbury. He plans to sell ice cream, yoghurt and fresh milk locally and says as well as appealing to international markets and people with digestive problems, he thinks it will sell on home turf. I guess the lack of supply of sheep dairy means there's more of an opportunity, I guess, developing as opposed to a fairly mature market for cow's dairy products. And so obviously you've done your research and there's a bit of a demand out there for it, is there? Well, we think there's a bit of demand. It's difficult to research unless you can put a product in front of people to actually try. We've had lots of conversations with both marketers, processors and just people in general, and everyone seems to think it's a good idea. The occasional person raises their eyebrows and thinks, yeah, maybe. (laughs) But New Zealand eating habits are developing quite rapidly with our more diverse population coming in now, and so we think there's quite a good niche market within New Zealand. The breeding of milking sheep is decades behind goats and cows, but he predicts sheep milking will, in the end, be more appealing than goats. The sheep dairy industry is really quite exciting by being able to provide a pathway into the future which enables sheep farming to remain a viable industry and a whole succession plan for new entrants coming back into the industry. And it's also an industry that goes to the heart of New Zealand rural culture anyway and, and a lot of the urban culture. Everyone's had a uncle, father, grandfather who's been a sheep farmer, it seems, at some stage. And so a lot of people are really keen to see the sheep industry get back onto its feet again and start to expand instead of constantly contracting and always bad news. The goat industry, I think it'll do its own thing. It's not constrained by space or anything. I think it will develop slower than the sheep dairy one will on a percentage basis. It's a um, fairly specialist market as well. I see the world through sheep farmer eyes. But I think the sheep industry in New Zealand is the one that's going to really take off and give it 10 years' time. I imagine there'll be a lot more sheep being milked than what there are goats. The government has supported the sheep and goat industries with research into nutritional benefits, but Peter Gatley from Maui Milk, who is breeding pure East Frisians, wants more emphasis on sheep genetics. The biggest single thing that the government could do to help right now is assist us in finding a way to safely bring some new genetic material into the country, some semen and embryos. Naturally, we all have to be concerned about biosecurity, but um, there are ways of dealing with these things, and the single biggest benefit would come from an infusion of new genetics, and so we're in discussions with MPI about that now. Goat milking is more established than sheep because of the work of the Dairy Goat Cooperative. However, agribusiness professor Guy Trafford warns that it also involves a much bigger investment. 
the goat industry, because of the nature of the animal and the fact that they tend to have a cut-and-carry approach just to get rid of the parasite problems and what have you with goats, they're already in a fairly high cost regarding infrastructure system where they tend to have a lot of housing and things like that. The sheep industry, on the same point of view, have got a very simple industry to develop. The animals are bred for outside, they carry their shelter on the back, they can handle the parasite burdens a lot better, and so there's far less infrastructural cost. And historically, it's had its ups and downs. The goat one is expanding, but people need to remember that for a long time the goat co-op was struggling to get access into good markets. They supplied only Taiwan, and they didn't have a huge market there, and they nurtured it quite well. But it wasn't as though the market was crying out for goat's milk. And those historical downturns have left a legacy for the industry today. After the goat industry's instability in the 1980s, agribusiness professor Jacqueline Roweth isn't surprised that most producers keep a low profile. Cooperatives are quite close about the information because they don't want too many other people starting up on the basis of their blood, sweat and tears. We sort of understand that. It's called intellectual property. It's those sorts of things. They don't want the market to be swamped. Is there that worry that it's going to become saturated like the dairy cow? Well, it could. They want to build markets and allow supply to build up. As long as they don't disaffect too many people in New Zealand because one of the things about having a closed group is that other people who want to (laughs) play, want to join the group, feel, oh well then I'll go and start up my own. And if we end up with too many small startups, then we are going to just be in a price war trying to sell. And I think that's a mistake. One man who's been in the dairy goat business from the early days is Lloyd Derrick who founded the Puhoi Valley Cheese Company in 1983. In 1980, the predecessor of the Ministry for Primary Industries, the Ministry of Forest and Agriculture, encouraged people to get into goat milking in Northland as a way to clear the land and make money off small properties. In the early 80s, Taiwan produced chewable goat milk tablets for school children from New Zealand powder. But Lloyd Derrick says it turned out they only had 1% goat milk and 99% calcium carbonate, or chalk. He says when this became public, there was a massive collapse in the market. Powder stockpiles grew and the industry went broke in 1983. But Jacqueline Roweth doesn't think that cycle will repeat. The Dairy Goat Cooperative has had a couple of starts and then picking up. But the picking up now has been more to do with our success in the Asian market and the fact that New Zealand is now recognised. And we have all the potential contacts and outlets. We have the knowledge, we have the recognition of New Zealand. Meanwhile, millions of litres of goat milk are flowing into the Dairy Goat Cooperative's factory in Hamilton. Its general manager for strategy and commercial, David Hamada, showed me around the factory. Uh, So what you're looking at here are the two main spray dryers that take the liquid milk uh, once it's had all of the constituents and nutrients added to it to make infant formula base. It'll go through these drying units uh, to be dried into the base formula powder. The smaller of the two units was built about uh, 13 years ago and we've been using that for a number of years. And about one and a half years ago we commissioned the much larger number two dryer, which as you can see in terms of scale is around two and a half to three times bigger than the original dryer that we operated. Back on the outside looking in, David Hamada explains that every single process is done on site behind the high electric fences. We've made the decision over a number of years to have on our site all of the production steps from the arrival of that milk from our suppliers to the shipping of the retail-ready product uh, all on one site. 
And is that quite unique, I mean, having the milk arrive and then not leaving until it's going to get sent overseas? It probably is a little unusual. Um, it will depend on the manufacturer. But for us, it's been very important that we can control all of those steps ourselves and take complete control of quality as well. One of the 72 farmers whose milk flows into the factory each day is Richard Cookson, who milks about 500 goats in Te Aruha. When the, when the goats walk in, the gate closes behind her, and so she goes into an individual bale. And then uh, when they leave, the gate lifts up and they just walk out the front. So it's, it's reasonably quick. Um, other, other goat farms have gone to rotaries and other types, but we knew that Hans and Linda's goats had a lot of double letdowns, and so we felt that we could manage some of those better here in a, in a, in a, in a herringbone setup. In the milking shed as well, we've got fans to keep the goats cool, uh, and we have sprinklers for the roof because the roof is so tight. Richard Cookson also farms about 2,000 dairy cows and started milking goats two years ago when the Dairy Goat Cooperative was looking for more suppliers. The Cookson family have been farming here since 1925 and we've been milking goats for the last two years. Well, this is our second season. We really enjoy the goats. Some people would say they're affectionate. I think they're just smart and resourceful and interesting. They'll strip the nut off a gudgeon and, and take a gate out of a pole in a matter of a few weeks. And so they're always interested in what they're doing. And so you've got to be able to provide opportunities for that behaviour to be expressed, otherwise it can get destructive. He wanted to diversify his farming system and now milks into three vats for three companies, Fonterra, Tatua and the Dairy Goat Cooperative. Together the cow and goat farms work really, really well together. They're a great synergy. Uh, all of the waste that comes off the goat farm, uh, as far as feed waste goes, that is put on my ute every morning and taken down to the cows. So we're using even the waste from the goat farm to create cow milk. And because it's a cut and carry system where we're harvesting grass or lucerne for them, we're making grass silage or lucerne silage at times of the year which is probably not appropriate to really make silage. In a sense, the goats are harder because you can't just put them in a paddock and that's what they're going to get for today. Or, and I'm not saying that there are a lot of cow farmers out there that do that. The goats, though, aren't as resilient as a cow. And so if you screw things up, they're not going to linger, they'll, they'll drop dead on you. So for us, it's, it's about just concentrating on the detail and... Interestingly though, I feel that the goats are making our systems much better from our cow side. We're focusing more on quality, making sure that we're getting high quality forage into our cows all the time. He sees the lower environmental footprint of farming indoors adds to the appeal. Because they're inside, all of the waste, I suppose, that comes out of the goat, its dung and its urine, is isolated within the, the shavings that we put into the sheds. That then is taken out maybe three or four times a year. We use all of that shaving, some of it on the farm, and a lot of it's then used on the cow side of the farm, so we'll take it over and we'll put it into our maize and use it as a resource there. Richard Cookson's professor at university was Jacqueline Roweth, who says many farmers, such as her former student, are looking outside the box. Lots of farmers looking around, is there a better option for my land? What else could I do with it in this environment, within the regulations that we're operating in, looking at my topography, all of those sorts of things? And if it starts making sense, more will shift. While some people question whether history will repeat itself with too much product, the majority of farmers and exporters promote the environmental and nutritional benefits of goat and sheep milking and are confident it will stay a high-value product while remaining in a niche market. I'm Alexa Cook and that's Insight for this week. If you have any thoughts, it would be great to hear from you. You can contact us on email at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is insightrnz.
I wrote and presented that insight. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Phil Benge.